Welcome back to the Women in Engineering podcast. I am Stephanie Alexandrick, your host. Today, we are joined by Teresa Boer and Olivia Kuypers, who are both career service officers. Um, so we're going to start with the first question, which is basically just an introduction. What are both of your roles within career services? And I'd like to start with Teresa. Well, thanks, Stephanie. My role is to meet with students individually to help them with their application documents. So that means offering feedback on resume and cover letter development, but also a meeting with students to help them with their interview strategies and their interview skills. So I offer mock interview support where uh, the student will answer interview questions and I'll provide feedback on how to improve their interview skills. Okay, and what about you, Olivia? In my role as a career services officer, I have the portfolio of mechanical, chemical, civil, integrated, and artificial intelligence engineering students. I support engineering students throughout their co-op process, specifically the, at the undergraduate level, whether they're in summer co-op or long-term co-op. I would be their point of contact. I do have a colleague, Vince, who supports all the other disciplines of engineering. With that said, we support students throughout from the beginning of their co-op process, throughout their co-op, as well as reviewing their final reports and meeting those final deliverables. So um, depending on who's listening to this podcast, may not know what career services actually is. So I thought um, I would ask, what is career services and what programs and services do you offer? With regards to our programs, we offer the undergraduate engineering students both a summer co-op option in addition to a long-term co-op option. With regards to the summer co-op option, students starting in first year of engineering can begin applying. However, they would have to wait until their final grades of their first semester term were available, and then we would assess them in January. If students take three co-op terms, so three summer co-op terms, they would be eligible to obtain the with co-op designation on their degree. The other option is our long-term co-op program, which can be taken in your second to last year of your engineering degree. This can be a eight to 16 month opportunity. And it's a little different than the summer co-op because you have the opportunity to be on one pro work on one project and go through the process of the beginning the middle and the end, whereas if you participate in summer co-ops, kind of the benefits of participating in summer versus the long term is that you could have more than one opportunity to see different fields of engineering if you were unsure about what your interests were. With regards to our MEng with co-op program, I don't have too many details. It is new to this year, but there will be some details changing for the fall 2023 to 2024 academic year. With regards to our services that we offer, we do offer resume writing, um, in addition to cover letter writing, interview skill building, uh, career exploration, and potentially job search supports. Awesome. And just to clarify for the MEng um, co-op program, that would be for master students. That's correct? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Okay. So um, you've listed a variety of reasons of why co-ops are important and why students should 
do them. But um, how would a student actually go about applying for a co-op? We do have a website, the Western Engineer Career Services website that can be accessed by students that show the whole application process. But I will say that the first two steps that are most important to be able to get access to our in-house Western Connect co-op job board is a completing an application through Western Connect to enroll in either the summer co-op or the long-term co-op program. And then you also are required to pay a $100 fee to gain access into our Western Connect job board. Okay, so now into some specific job application questions. I'm, I'm a student, I'm really busy, and I don't have too much time to fuss over my resume. Can I use the same resume for every job that I apply to? That's a really good question, Stephanie, and we hear that a lot from students. Um, our general uh, advice to students is that's not your best strategy when looking for a job. We often hear students come to us and say, I've applied to 50 jobs and I haven't gotten any responses yet. And our first question is, are you using the same resume for every job you apply to? And the answer generally is yes. And so it's not a strategy that is um, an effective one. So I appreciate that as students, you're very busy and uh, you don't necessarily feel like you have time to customize your document. But uh, number one, it doesn't take a lot of time to do that. And number two, you'll end up um, sending out fewer resumes and getting more responses. Uh, so you'll feel better psychologically about your job <laughs> search and the success that you'll have with it. I've definitely noticed um, as I've gotten older, I've started to tailor a resume where I, I start with a base resume that works very well and then based off of what I see in the job description, I will adjust it or I'll adjust my resume to that. Yeah, you know, that's the poster response, really. I mean, we, we often tell students to have a master document that lists all kinds of experiences and uh, learnings and skills and then curating from there the story that you'd like to tell to the employer when you go to apply to the job. And the story that you tell should be relevant to what you see in the job posting. Yeah. Okay, the next one is, how can I get recruiters to notice me? If every student is applying to co-op opportunities through the Western Connect Job Board, how do I stand out? So I'll take that one as well, Stephanie. Um, a good strategy for standing out is to truly speak to what the employer is looking for. So that means reviewing the job posting, highlighting the skills that the employer is, is asking for, and ensuring that your experiences uh, include those words and speak to the employer's skills. You have to think of the job posting as the employer's gift to you. <laughs> the employer is saying, this is what we're looking for, and so the applicant should be tailoring their documents to ensure they're telling the employer, I have what you're looking for. Your resume isn't a biography of everything you've ever done. It's a curated list of your skills and experiences that tell the story that you match what the employer is looking for. And so that helps you stand out because most people don't do that. Most people will simply list everything that they've ever done and then hope the employer can identify through there how they might be a fit for the job. Another strategy is to ensure you're using specific skill words. So what this means is that rather than simply listing the things that you've done in your experiences, so your experiences could be something you've done academically, so a project. It could be something that you've done in a part-time job. 
It could be something that you've done in a co-op job if you've had the experience um, to have had a co-op before. It could be things that you're doing in your clubs and activities. All of those experiences count. But rather than simply listing what your duties are, it's important to identify the skills you used in those duties because that's what the employer will care about, the skills that you used. And that's how you can stand out. With that said, do I need to include a cover letter when applying for jobs? Another really good question. So with respect to cover letters, on the recruiter's end of things, there's a, quite a broad spectrum of, of how recruiters feel about cover letters. Some recruiters don't look at them. We don't want to hear those kinds of things, but that's ultimately the truth. Some recruiters don't look at them. Other recruiters are on the total opposite end of the scale and will say it's all about the cover letter. If you don't impress them with the cover letter, they're not necessarily interested in what comes next. Some recruiters read the resume first and then they read the cover letter after. So they can maybe be the folks that are more in the middle <laughs> of the range. Um, ultimately, you don't know who you're applying to. You don't know what recruiter is on the other end. Uh, so definitely if, it, if the job posting says they're looking for a resume and a cover letter, send a cover letter. Do what the employer has asked for. If, uh, if it doesn't say so, we would always suggest to err on the side of caution and to include one because it's an opportunity to demonstrate your written communication skills, your reasons for why you're interested in working for this company, which by the way shouldn't be self-serving, such as I'm hoping to gain this, this, and this. It should be more of what I can bring to you uh, as a new hire. So we would always recommend uh, including a cover letter if there's that vagueness of whether or not you should include one, simply because you don't know uh, what the recruiter is looking for on the other end, and it's an opportunity to uh, present your written communication skills and show how you're a fit for the job. Yeah. It also allows a little bit more creativity than I think a resume can in terms of writing. So, yeah, you might as well include it if you're already fitting your resume to the job posting anyways. Agreed, yeah. Okay, so I'm a student, and I've taken some of these uh, tips already. Um, I've applied to a lot of jobs, but I haven't heard any responses back. What should I do? That's a great question, and we, we have this. We have students come to our office to speak about this very often. As career services officers, we like to ask the students, "What does your process look like?" Some oftentimes students will apply only through job boards or say through our Western Connect in-house job board, expecting to hear from an employer and they hear nothing as that was the only means of which they communicated their interest of a job. I encourage students with regards to Western Connect, unless they have to apply to the job directly through Western Connect, and what I mean by that is when they upload their resume, their cover letter, their unofficial transcript, students cannot reach out to the employer directly. However, if through Western Connect, the student is redirected to an employer website or is given an email address in which they're supposed to submit their application to, I 100% encourage students to go and connect directly with the employer to do some follow-up. Say, hey, I'm XYZ from Western University and I've since applied to ABC job. I just wanted to ask if there a way I could strengthen my application. 10 to 1, the employer's going to say no, but you're going to be front of mind and they're going to pull your application to see, to review your application. With that said, 
that is just Western Connect alone. Students can go and find opportunities on their own through what we would call is a direct match. I encourage students that even though they can apply only on job websites to not just apply through job websites alone. I highly encourage students to go do some follow through. It's like whether you're contacting the employer via telephone or reaching out to them a week later via email, just to continue doing some follow-up conversations with the employer to remain front of mind and to show your interest. If an employer tells a student or an individual who's applying for jobs after graduation, that that they will be hiring in, say, three months, for example. The student can make a note about that, say, I spoke with this person on this day from this organization about this opportunity, and they told me to contact them in three months from now to make sure that you actually follow up with the employer and make that contact three months from now. And then you can refer back to your notes to talk about the previous conversation you had with the company personnel so that you're developing rapport. Even if you're not getting a job out of this conversation, you're still developing a relationship with the employer, which could lead to an op- future opportunities upon graduation. One thing I've learned about networking in itself as well is that you might be making connections with people and wanting a current like job or co-op or what it might be. But I've also found that just making a connection can help you when you want a job down the line or maybe it would work vice versa. So like maintaining that relationship, even if you don't get something out of it right now is very important. Absolutely. Like one of the biggest things that I say is when networking is not about getting a job, even though that's in the back of our minds, it's not about getting a job. It's about developing relationships. And it's not unheard of that, say, five years down the line, an employer thinks about you saying, you know what? We had a conversation before, and I actually think you'd be the perfect fit for this job. That's not an uncommon conversation I've heard of from employers. So again, networking is about relationship building, not getting a job. All right. Our last question. I reviewed the Western Connect Co-op job board, and I found that there are not too many opportunities related to my engineering discipline. What should I do to find opportunities online and at in-person events? With regards to online tools, I often refer students to what's known as the Workforce Job Board, which can actually be found from county to county. This is a great tool to actually locate companies within a particular area. You as a student will have to do the digging by further researching the company websites, seeing what you like, what projects they're working on, do their values align with yours. So you do have to do some digging, but it is a great tool to utilize versus just searching, say, chemical engineering jobs in London, Ontario, because if it's not in the algorithm of the company's website, you're not going to find the company, the company name. Another tool that I often look at with students is the LinkedIn alumni tool. A little difficult to describe through the microphone. However, this tool, if you search Western University through LinkedIn, there will be a tab that says alumni. Within this tab, a student can search their degree, 
whether it's, say, again, chemical engineering. They can go by the location that they're interested in. So say they're looking within London, Ontario, and then it'll pull a number of profiles of individuals that fall into this, these categories. With that said, um, oftentimes a lot of people utilize LinkedIn as a networking tool. I actually utilize it similarly to the workforce job board as a labor market research tool. So when you go into those profiles, you can see where have people been previously working that fall within that criteria to learn about companies that actually exist with their work history, potentially what credentials they've developed over the years. And then from there, once you get a list of say 20 companies Taking that next step, again, it does take time to go and review the company websites. Again, similarly to the steps taken after the workforce job board, you're going to review the company websites, see what you like, do the projects resonate with you, etc. I'm going to pass it off to my colleague Teresa with regards to professional associations. Thanks, Olivia. So professional associations are organizations such as the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers or the uh, Professional Engineers of Ontario. And these are great tools uh, for students to um, learn about companies and about people in the industry. So oftentimes these associations allow students to join for free or for, I'm just gonna say that again, for free <laughs> or for a very reduced rate. And um, students can then have the access to the directory of all members of the association. And so that gives you the opportunity to look to see where these people work and then be curious about what those companies do and if they have any opportunities. And coincidentally, I read an article uh, recently about curiosity being the hot new employment skill. So employers really like this skill in people, so why not start developing that muscle right now when you're doing your research? So uh, professional associations uh, give students the opportunity to access people in the industry, but also there's often a jobs tab or a jobs posting tab on the association's website, so you're able to access opportunities there. If I may, Stephanie, I'll include a few more online tools that could be useful for students who are interested in working in London, uh, either for co-ops or for uh, jobs after they graduate. So one tool in particular is the London Economic Development Corporation, and that's L-E-D-C for short, London Economic Development Corporation. And this association has um, information or a directory basically of all employers in London uh, broken down by uh, sector or, or the, the sector of the uh, labor market that um, they're involved with. So if you're interested in food processing or manufacturing or tech or you know all kinds of different things you can look at uh, for specific employers and then using that information go to those employer websites and see specifically what they do and if they have any job opportunities available or who in fact works there and can you find them on LinkedIn to make a connection. Another resource is uh, an online tool for London tech jobs. So not all of these jobs are engineering related and certainly not every discipline of engineering, but if you're interested in working in tech and you're interested in working in London, this could be a, a, an online tool that you'd like to check into. With regards to in-person tools and or events that we encourage students to pursue to, again, 
develop a network within the community and learn about opportunities would be attending our on-campus job fairs, potentially our industry nights, as well as our employer information sessions. All the above three are opportunities for engineering students to meet with employer personnel. Again, we'd mentioned it before that networking is not about finding a job, although it's in the back of our minds, it's about developing relationships. And by attending these events, you will start developing relationships with employer personnel. It's not uncommon that say at an employer information session, an employee an employer within the community may have scheduled more than one information session. Although the content will be the same, if you go to more than one of those events, the employer is going to remember you and they're going to want to connect with you because you're showing interest in the company. During some of these information sessions, these job fairs or industry nights, they might be showcasing jobs that aren't necessarily of interest, but Within the company, there are other opportunities within different disciplines that they just might not be advertising. So again, developing those that network is so important. Another in-person tool that I love to talk about with, with students includes informational interviews. So to my previous point where you're connecting with employers via telephone, via email, although these are all cold calls in a way, unless you have a previous relationship developed with the employer, you might be inquiring about opportunities that potentially they have available now or that they might have in the future. But ultimately, you want to stay front of mind and develop that relationship. Through an informational interview, when you're contacting, say, human resources, recruitment, or if you get a chance to speak with the direct hiring manager, this is when you might schedule a meeting via Zoom or in person if you can. And this is when the student actually creates the questions and they ask the employer interview questions to learn more about the company and the opportunities that are available. If you leave a very positive, lasting impression through this informational interview, it's not uncommon that employers will say, oh, you know what? We do have an opportunity because one thing that's so important to know is 80% of jobs are not posted online. This is called the hidden job market. So more often than not, you need to have a conversation and talk about opportunities that might exist to actually learn that they exist. So if any of the students are feeling a bit overwhelmed or want to learn more about anything that you've talked about today, how would they go about contacting career services? There are two ways to do that. Uh, the first is to email wecareer, that's w-e-career, at uwo.ca, and you can simply indicate that you're looking for an appointment and the kinds of things you'd like to talk about, and we will ensure that you are scheduled for a meeting with uh, the correct staff member. Another way you can uh, find us is to visit us if you happen to be in Spencer Engineering or if you want to make your way over there. We are located in uh, room 2092. It's the Career Services Office. And uh, you can pop in there and visit our colleague Stacy, and she will book an appointment for you on the spot. So I just wanted to say thank you for Teresa and Olivia um, coming onto the podcast today. And if you do have any questions for them specifically, I will have their emails posted in the description so you can reach out to them if you would like. That's all for today. Until next time, Western.